0: Clayton. John
1: Clayton. Mom,
0: I'm done with my segment! This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton.
1: Brought to you by Coors Light. Made
0: to chill. Time to talk football with the professor John Clayton. As we do every day at this time, you guys know the drill. If you've got a question for John, you can text that question in right now to 206-421-3776. That's 421 421- ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions for John. Hello. Hello. What a day. What a day. Stephon Gilmore is already off the market, John. He's a member of the Carolina Panthers, and you've got Jake Heaps and a bevy of Seahawks fans going, wait a minute, where were the Seahawks? How come they didn't, they couldn't beat that? How come they couldn't give up a fifth rounder? Were they in on this? What do you think happened, John? Well, they
1: were in on it. I mean, Pete Carroll even said that, and you understand that John Snyder is pretty much in on every deal. Now we find out that Scott Fitterer is in the same boat, too, having worked for John. And so he ends up getting him for a sixth-round pick. Now, the Carolina Panthers had the most cap room of all the teams who were interested. And I would venture to say there was probably about eight, nine teams interested in Stephon Gilmore, including the Seahawks. But, you know, they had $17 million of cap room. You know, they pick up his remaining salary of 5.8. You know, Seattle had... Uh, just a little bit under 11 so they could have done the same thing so I'm surprised that they they didn't make it now we we know that Gilmore's 31 he was the de- defensive player of the year two years ago last year his play declined and you know he is hurt I mean he's coming off an, a groin injury I believe it is so when you look at it it's like okay uh, I'm surprised but again is, a sixth round pick that's all it was is he and- a and free 23- agent at the end of this year? He's a free agent at the end of this year. But see, here's where the interesting part of that is. He's a free agent, but that's a good thing. Because let's say you don't want to keep him, and, you know, he wants $15 million a year because he was making fifteen. million, and actually he wants more than fifteen. I mean, if he's able to go out there in the open market and get more than ten, you get a third-round compensatory pick. And then also, uh, you know, we found out that uh, where they're building
2: their new facility, Carolina— is in his hometown. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it couldn't set up better for the Carolina Well, Panthers. even better. Do you know who his neighbor
1: is? Uh, John Clayton. No, Scott Fitterer. Oh. He just lives a few houses down from Scott. Oh, you're kidding. No, he has a house that's just a few houses down from Scott Fitterer. Are you sure you're not mixing him up with me? Uh, you don't have a house next to Scott Vitterer,
2: do you? I used to. Oh, you did? Okay. But he's <laughs> one care. of Dave's
0: many houses. I, yeah,
2: the neighbors, <laughs> you know, the neighbor thing is very crucial. We know that on this show. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think that it was just, well, whenever somebody says, and you see the complaining, John, and you know this, whenever people say... Why aren't they in on it? They always are.
1: Yeah, they always
2: are. I mean, and I don't know if that's most teams, but we know – and is it most teams? No, no. Yeah, but, I mean, we know this with the Seahawks. Like, they had Colin Kaepernick come in. I mean, they had – they've done pretty much everything, and, you know, I think you can always assume that they're in on the deal.
1: And they were. Uh, It's just a matter that, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't want to give up the sixth round pick in 2023 and allowed it to happen, and maybe what it was coming down to is that uh, they were thinking that he wasn't going to be involved in a trade, that he would be involved uh, in just being cut, and then you know he can probably sign for less than the five point eight million dollars. I mean that could have been it too. I mean there, there'll be no explanation on this, but in the end it's like I think there's somebody that uh, I mean again we have you know three moves this week of guys that uh, they should consider because they could use them on defense. And now they got they were 0 for three, it looks like, because now it looks like Jalen Smith is getting close to a deal with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, that if it's not it's not done now, it may get done tomorrow. And again, maybe they are going to get uh, Jalen Smith, because, again, you know, the the early word was that uh, the Packers were going to land, uh, you know, Stefan Gilmore. But obviously they didn't because he ended up going to Carolina.
2: John, from the 425, uh, what if uh, somebody uh, gets traded and just says, no, I'm not doing it? Mm-hmm. I mean, have we seen that? Yeah, 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 what's uh, – you remember an example of that? Well, the
0: example – the, the player just goes, no,
1: yeah. I'm not going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I won't be traded. I yeah. refuse.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's like even, um, uh, what, Xavier uh, – you know Xavier and Hall, Howard, I mean, he, I think he said no to something. Uh, you know that, that Nick Foles – was being traded to Philadelphia. And he said, I'm not going to go there. But if the trade is made, uh, then, of course, you know, obviously you have to pass the physical. Well, if he's not going to have a physical, then he can revert back to the team that uh, traded him.
2: Mm. Okay, yeah, I was just – because, you know, I think the agent also – has a a lot of say in in the trade as Mm -hmm. well and of course he's on instruction from the player and you know people saying oh my gosh why didn't the seahawks do that well it may not have even you know and i'm sure it wasn't even in their control because he clearly had
1: where he wanted to go yeah well no i don't think it was i think he was wide open because he just wanted to go uh, yeah, yeah but, but being you know in his hometown. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I mean that that kind of played the more positive card, and he took that card and ran with it. So uh, you can see, okay, well, you can understand why it happened and what happened. But uh, you know, in the end, it's it's kind of disappointing. And again, it's like uh, you know they could they could have used any of these three guys. Uh, because again, you know, you're trying to build up, but also you, all, you, you here you also get the feeling too, because you know that John Snyder's in on every deal, right? Mm-hmm. And he's never had like <clears throat> less uh, 11 million dollars around that uh, on the salary cap this this late into the season. That's never happened. So you have to get the feeling that, okay, is he waiting for something else? And he probably he probably is. We just don't know what he's waiting for because obviously there's going to be a lot more deals. And the fact that we saw three of those come up this week you know, with uh, Collins and uh, Gilmore and uh, Smith, that uh, you kind of get the idea there's going to be more and there may be some more guys that they're interested in.
0: Uh, a bunch of people pointing out that Jadevian Clowney said no to the Miami Dolphins and came to Seattle mm-hmm. uh, as an example.
1: Uh, right, that, that's, that's the one I was thinking of because I know it was yeah. Miami. Yeah,
0: yeah. A couple of people asking about uh, Marlon Mack and uh, where he. Somebody asking specifically is. Is it likely Indy would trade him to the Ravens or the 49ers and somebody just asking for any news on Marlon Mack?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, he's uh, you know, they both mutually agreed that uh, he can be involved in some kind of a trade. It's just a matter of figuring out the trade. And so it's like, uh, you know, he was a thousand yard back about, what, uh, a little over two years ago. And is a good back. I mean, the only difference is they took a second round pick last year. You know, they've got a good young third down back who's there. And so he all of a sudden slips down to number three. But you know, at the moment, I mean, the Ravens are doing okay, not great, you know, with, uh, you know, their veterans off the street, including Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, certainly Latavius Murray's helped out and they've got Devontae Freeman, you know, San Francisco is probably more urgently needing because, you know, they're down, you know, three, uh, their top three running backs and Mitchell's still hurt. And so, uh, you know, I think right now probably San Francisco is going to emerge as maybe the main team there.
2: Boy, John, this uh, Jalon Smith thing, and it's it's interesting because, first of all, he gets drafted by Dallas in the second round because mm-hmm. he tore his knee up, really. And I understand that um, the, the, the doctor who did the surgery was part of Dallas. I think he was on their staff or something. Anyway, right. they, they knew that it, there wasn't going to be any kind of nerve damage. So he gets drafted in the second round, sits out, I think, 2016, um, and then comes back and plays really well, and now he's on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, and you mentioned possibly doing a, a, a deal with Green Bay, but what do you think happened there? I mean, I know they they drafted uh, Micah Parsons, and you know they already had Van Der Esch there, and you, you know this, John. I mean, usually there's only two linebackers out on the field these days. Yeah. And he was just kind of the odd man out. Was it because of
1: that draft, or did he like his play decline? What was, what well, was the reason? Well, his play play wasn't as good. Uh, but also, I think what you're looking at is that uh, you know this is you know, because you know teams make mistakes. I mean, you know, you we have the Houston Texans; they're a constant daily mistake. But and Jacksonville with the <laughs> hiring of Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, but his hiring. <laughs> Boy, uh, you love him. Oh, well, we'll get to him later. We we got to milk a little bit more out of uh, yeah, the professor yeah. on this one. Yeah, but I think what you're looking at is that uh, you know they this is a cowboy screw up in some ways because Van der Esch, you know, he's a good player, went to the Pro Bowl, and uh, you know it was really playing well, and clearly, I guess you know he was outplaying Jalen Smith. But the problem was they didn't put the French, I mean, the fifth year option on Van der Esch. So now he's available you know, for the franchise. It's almost like the same thing as the Dak Prescott thing, where they didn't get a Dak Prescott deal done. And so then they had to put the franchise tag on him and then eventually pay him $40 million a year. And so now to keep Banderesh, where you could have kept him at so much less under the fifth-year option, now you're going to probably have to pay him you know, $17, $18 million or even... Yeah, the cheapest $15 million. So I look at that as being a mistake, along with the fact you're taking a cap hit this year on Jalen Smith and next year on Jalen Smith.
0: John, uh, we had somebody text in saying Jadevian Clowney had three sacks. I just looked it up. Says he's got two. But that's uh-huh. good for second place on his team. Miles Garrett has six yeah. for the Browns. But Jadevian Clowney's got two sacks for him. How about that? Two more than he normally has at this point of the season. Yeah, two more
1: than last is, what's,
0: year. What's the word, in all seriousness? Are they. Happy with him out? Is he playing well? You know, he's always been a great uh, run defender. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the word on him out there in Cleveland?
1: I uh, playing well because <clears throat> he may not be getting the sacks, but this, doesn't it this sound like when he was here in Seattle, he's getting the pressures? And so by getting the pressures, you know, he is at least uh, you know putting pressure on the quarterback. And of course, working on the other side of Miles Garrett has to help because that's a formidable tandem that uh, you know is going to be really hard to to contain the rest of the season. So uh, no, I think they're very happy with him. So, but still, on pace
2: for just single digit sacks, no, <laughs> four yeah. games, two sacks, I mean, yeah, on
0: pace for what, a little over six, seven, eight, <laughs> yeah, you know.
2: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just weird how that guy, and I thought you know, coming out of college, I was like, man, this guy is a monster, you know mm-hmm. he's was that the year that was Reggie Bush?
1: Drafted that year, or am I, no, thinking I think of Bush somebody. Else? No, it was before that. Yeah, Bush okay. well before that but, but also understand, I like, some I mean, you, you bring up the knee injury and the knee problems that uh, Jalen Smith had yeah. you know, <clears throat> when he came into the league. Well, I mean, in the first year, uh, Jadavion Clowney gets a microfracture surgery, and so. Uh, because he gets a micro fracture and that certainly did, you know, slow him down to a certain degree and held him back. And then, you know, since then he's had you know, a bunch of injuries in the leg and the knee and all those different things. So, you know, it's, a, it's a, kind of a similar story to Jalen Smith where he comes in. Now, again, the difference was, I mean, Clowney was what, what, the first pick in the draft and, you know, really, really talented, you know, he came in kind of with a buzz, uh, like so many of the great, uh, you know, defensive ends, and then of course the micro-fracture, I think held him back a little bit. I don't know why. I I, I was
2: thinking of Mario Williams. Wasn't he the first no, pick for of the Texans? Draft? Texans, yeah, yes, for by, sure. by the Texans. Yeah, and he, same thing. But I remember thinking they should have taken Reggie Bush, but and that guy mm-hmm. didn't really work out there, did he? Mm-mm. Mario did mm-hmm. not. As as you know, neither did Jadavian Clowney. I mean, it's really it's really interesting. I know we had. Was it Willie McGinnis we talked to, Bob? right, and, right he yeah. was, you know, and he was like, well, I don't know about this guy. I thought he played the run really well. He was criticizing. McGinnis was his run play. But, you know, I thought he was just a good football player, but he wasn't going to get sacks. It's it's very yeah. strange that a guy is that good of a football player, that good of an athlete, and just can't get the sacks. Well, say what you want. I mean, he still went to three Pro Bowls. I
1: yeah, mean, it's not I mean, like
2: he's a stiff. Yeah, like I said, he's a good football player. Yeah. He, yeah. Does, he does everything but get sacks.
1: Right, right. But I mean, you watched it here. I mean, he get the pressure and then, you know, once he turns the corner, then the, you know, everything's done.
0: John, what do you make of what's going on in Chicago where Matt Nagy had had said if Andy Dalton is healthy, he would be the quarterback. Uh-huh. Well, now he's sort of reverse field and said Justin Fields is going to be the team's starting quarterback moving moving forward, which is interesting because man, it's been a rough go. We talked about the game where he was, you know, nine sacks, mm-hmm. I think they averaged 1.1 yards per play and You know, he was 6 of 13. It was brutal. It was dreadful. But it sounds like they're just going to throw him in the deep end
1: and say, all right, learn to swim. Yeah, and and again, because, I mean, Matt Nagy as a head coach is in the deep end. And because, again, you know, his his job's on the line. And if he doesn't do well, and you still wonder, you know, what I still question with Justin Fields is the fact that in college he held the ball 2.95 seconds. Okay, and behind that offensive line, you're vulnerable. I mean, we watched, uh, you know, the complaints made by Russell Wilson, who last year held the ball 2.97 seconds and, uh, you know, complaining about uh, getting sacked too many times and all that stuff. And now, I mean, he's down to a very respectful 2.66 as far as getting rid of the ball. But, uh, you know, Fields still is going to be one that uh, is going to be scrambling around like a Russell Wilson. But what I worry about is he going to get hurt. And I think he probably has a better chance of getting hurt. But I guess you know, if you're Matt Nagy, I mean, you're still not ready to put uh, Andy Dalton back on the field. But again, to change like he did, you know, it takes away a little bit of his credibility.
0: Yeah, and and Fields has already dealt with an injury, and so yeah. has Dalton. So it just and you talk about him needing to be in a position to win. You know, I don't. I guess he's on the hot seat on some level. Wouldn't doesn't Dalton or Nick Foles give him a better chance of winning than than a rookie? I think so. Yeah.
1: I mean, because, I mean, you look at all these rookies, and even though, uh, you know, Zach Wilson got his first win, and, you know, Fields got a win, and all that stuff, I mean, most of the rookies are all losing.
2: Hey, John, I know you don't like hypotheticals, but this isn't so much one. Um, uh, We talked about it before you came on. I felt like the the Seahawks defense got things right in the second half, so regardless of Garoppolo or Lance, whoever's in there, my my thought was that once they tightened up the defense, that you know they were they were going to be okay, mm-hmm. um, and and so kind of rejected the notion that Garoppolo, if he stayed in in the second half, they would have won that game. The Niners,
1: you agree? Uh no, I think I mean they they they, they were straightening it out because you can see they were straightening it out later in the second quarter, and you know now you look at the fact that uh, you know certainly Garoppolo could it be, but he got sacked and he had to turn over and all those different things and so naturally when Trey Lance went in there you know that uh you know that bogged things down even more for the for the Niners but remember they didn't have I mean, they did a surprisingly good job with the running game when they don't have any running backs, but also uh, you know, it's like, you know, Garoppolo still was going to be vulnerable. Now, the good news about uh, tomorrow's game is that uh, you know, it looks like, you know, most of the defensive linemen are all going to be there. You know, Carlos Dunlap was taken off the injury list. Benson Mayoa was taken off the injury list, and Pete Carroll said they both look like they're good to go, and so it was a very short injury list. Not like week one, when they didn't have anybody on it, but uh a, you know, they're, I think they're in reasonably good shape right now.
0: What, what do you think of the the neck injury with Chris Carson? And we heard Pete talk about it, mm-hmm. saying it's not a new injury; it's a condition that he's yeah. been dealing with. And and then I saw Greg Bell wrote a piece saying. This is why he was so adamant in trying to get guaranteed money this year because of this thing. How how much of a concern is that neck issue?
1: No, well, I think it has to be a concern. I mean, of course, I mean you can see that he, you know, it, it something played into the fact that uh, you know he was only get what again about five point five million a year, and he signed a two year deal. But I think you can see he was more concerned about you know the the guarantee for this year and being able to get through this year and then judging next year next year. But I guess you know there is a lingering concern about the neck, and it's understandable the. Way way that you know he hits everybody but I think you know in this offense one thing that's good particularly with the outside zone reads is that you know he can at least you know try to at least get some yards without having to pound consistently you know at the line of scrimmage.
2: Bob and I were kind of uh, complaining it's just kind of sports complaining here uh, about the tight ends because we both predicted that a mm-hmm. tight end would be the number three receiver but and <laughs> we're going to be off <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah yeah well i mean look they, they could all of a sudden start throwing like crazy but what was it like 15 targets and 14 receptions and 14 combined receptions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think tyler higby himself has he has 18 targets so and 15 you think, receptions but i mean the tight end throws have been incredibly reliable just yeah. one incompletion
1: you, could you see that number starting to explode? And maybe Bob and I will be right at the You'd end. You'd like there. to, but I mean, I was going through some stats today, and are you ready for this one? Mm. I mean, because, uh, you know, uh, you know, two tight end offenses, mm-hmm. where do you, and I thought that they were going to increase, because, you know, last year, I think they were up with about 17, 18% of two tight end formations. They've only had nine, nine this year. Now, part of the reason is the fact that, uh, you know, the offense hasn't been on the field all that much. I mean, they're in the league low with 211 plays in four games. But how about the idea that they've only had nine, two tight end formations in the first four games? Hmm. So what what does that tell you? What does that, I mean, I think we're
0: all expecting this transformational offense, and it's going to look just so decidedly different. And there are elements we've seen, some Mm -hmm. of the pre-snap movement, but, in your opinion has it looked dramatically different
1: it's only four games but no, dramatically dramatic. different no. than last year not dramatically different i mean again it's like uh, you know they've now tended to go a little bit more three receiver and all that stuff and you know it's just one of those things that uh, you know it's just it's just different but uh, I, I think it'll pick up because again i mean that's all part of the rams 49ers offense now again maybe not the 49ers because instead of using that second tight end too much they use Kyle Usik And so it's like, uh, you know, they're 21 formation as opposed to 12. But in this case, you know, there are more 12, uh, very few 12 plays, but also they've had very few plays. I mean, think about the fact that, uh, you know, what they're averaging, uh, you know, 52, uh, 52 plays a game on offense.
2: Carson a little banged up, as mentioned. Um, pretty confident with Alex Collins. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it too early? And then, who do you think is going to be the the next guy up after if Carson can't go? Is it DJ Dallas? They've they've used Homer, mm-hmm. Travis Homer, as a kind of a third. Yeah, down Yeah, I, I type think it's going back. to
1: be a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, you know, Dallas got the speed, the pass catching ability. Homer seems to be getting better and better, so I could see a combination of the two. But hey, I, all I do is I, I've been saying it since training camp. Alex Collins needs to, needed to be the backup running back. But, hey, it still looks like there's a chance that Chris C- Carson, although it's again, not guaranteed, he's questionable, might be able to play, but we'll see.
0: Does this add to his reputation, whether it's well-earned or not, that he's fragile?
1: No. I mean, again, he gets hurt, but a lot of running backs get hurt. Yeah. I mean, you go through last year, and there may, uh, there may only have been one or two running backs who were starters that played all 16 games.
0: Yeah, I think Derek Henry Henry was one of them. And who was the other one day? We were talking about it one day.
1: Uh, was he the only one? I think Henry was the only one.
0: I think
2: he was the only one. The only one that played in all 16. Wow.
0: John, we appreciate it. We won't talk tomorrow because we've got the Seahawks game happening, obviously. So we will talk on Friday. Okay, sounds good. All right. If you missed any of today's cold, hard facts brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. By the way, I looked up and one of the texters sent it in as well as you were talking about Mario Williams. I was remembering him having some some success, and he did. I think you guys might have been thinking of somebody else because he had 97-and-a-half career sacks. Yeah,
2: you know, I I misspoke there because I I wasn't saying that he was a bust like Clowney. What I was saying is I remember talking to – gosh, I can't remember who it was at ESPN, but I I just thought Reggie Bush was the best college football player I'd seen in forever. And I had a buddy who was a scout – and the fact that Houston didn't take him there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, Mario Williams definitely worked out. But, and um,
0: like five seasons of double digit sacks. But
2: I was just, you know, I was just thinking that what a huge mistake that was not mm. taking Reggie Bush. And look how it turned out. I mean, you could argue, you know, I mean, Reggie Bush didn't have a great NFL career, but he was yeah. so unbelievably good at USC. Oh, man. Mostly well, the theme team in my head was
0: that Houston. Just a bad organization. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that remains true.
2: They were that, right on that one, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, coming up, big question marks hanging over both UW and Washington State football. We'll get some insight into that. It's Washington Wednesday. We talk about it next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.